Good morning. Um, if Brother Eddie is watching, I thought we were friends. It's not nice to make such a young, unexperienced minister follow Brother John Henry, so that was tough. I'm going to do my best. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, what a beautiful way to begin a service with a, a baby dedication. Uh, we certainly as a church stand by the lambs and, and we honor their commitment uh, to the Lord and to their family. Now today we're going to be looking into Luke's gospel, specifically chapter 10, uh, verses 38 through 42. But before we get there, I'd like to read an excerpt from a book titled, A Testament of Devotion. Now it reads, The problem we face today needs very little time for its statement. Our lives in a modern city grow too complex and overcrowded. Even the necessary obligations which we feel we must grow overnight, like Jack's beanstalk, and before we know it, we are bowed down with burdens, crushed under committees, strained, breathless, and hurried, panting through a never-ending program of appointments. We are too busy to be good wives or good husbands, good homemakers or good companions to our children good friends to our friends, and we certainly do not have enough time to be a friend to the friendless. But if we withdraw from public engagements and interests in order to spend quiet hours with the family, the guilty calls of citizenships whisper disquieting claims in our ears. Our children's schools should receive our interest. The civic problems of our community need our attention. The tough issues of our nation and the world weigh heavy upon us. Our professional status and our social obligations and our membership in this or that very important organization lay claim upon our lives. And in frantic fidelity, we try to meet at least the necessary minimum of all these calls upon us. But we are weary and breathless. And we know and regret that our life is slipping away. With having tasted so little of the peace and joy and serenity, we are persuaded it should yield to such a soul of wide caliber. The times for the deep silences of the heart seem so few and far between. The times, and in guilty regret, we must postpone till next week the deeper life of unsaken composure in the Holy Spirit, where we sincerely know our true home is. For this week is much too full. Now, Thomas Kelly authored those words in 1941, the same year that he died, some 79 years ago. And I would fear that Kelly, what he might say of us now, even here in little old Loosedale, Mississippi, where things are surely slower than New York City, but not that slow after all. Our lives are slipping away because there's always so much more to do. We have chosen the bad portion. Now, we have five verses to consider today, so let's turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and I'll read verse 38 through 42 from the English Standard Version. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left for me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
And so what I want you to hear today, hopefully, by God's grace, is that dedication to Christ takes priority over all other responsibilities and obligations. Now, briefly, I hope to walk you through these five verses, illuminating that, illuminating that what we do with Christ far surpasses, far more important than what we do for Christ. Now, let me elaborate on this point for a moment. It's easy to consider Martha's situation. She received Christ into her home and then neglected, neglected him as she prepared an elaborate meal that he did not need. Now, certainly a meal was on order. That was customary. But again, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. It is not an either-or situation. It is a matter of balance. Mary, indeed, had done her fair share of work in the kitchen and then had gone to feed on the teachings of Jesus. Martha felt neglected after Mary left the kitchen. And she began to complain and to suggest that neither the Lord nor Mary really cared about her. Now, few things are as damaging in the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking the time to commune with Christ. In John 15, 5, we are told that apart from Christ, we are nothing. And Mary knew this. She knew the words of Matthew 4, 4 that bread alone would not sustain her life. And this is real for us right now, right in this church in Loosedale. We come to church and we often wonder why we leave feeling unfed or why we leave feeling bored or perhaps even sleepy, primed for a good Sunday afternoon nap. We go home and we completely dispose, not digest, everything we just heard and sang about. We don't feed on the Word of God. Sunday services become our work for Christ, but it never works because we don't commune with Him Monday through Saturday. We are too busy. We have chosen the bad portion and our lives are slipping away because there's always more to be done. Now return with me to verse 38. Jesus' long journey towards Jerusalem continues in Luke 10. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 11 and 12, we learn that Mary and Martha live in Bethany, just a few miles away from Jerusalem. Now Luke likely does not mention this location because it was not that important to him. Luke wanted to highlight the two responses to Jesus. And as we read, Martha responded in a very typical way by fulfilling her social obligations. So it's important to ask yourself, how many times have social obligations taken you away from the foot of Jesus or from the feet of Jesus? Just think about that for a moment. Think about what we are exchanging when we run from communion with Christ to conquer our to-do lists. Now I'll give you an example prayer life. Thankfully, and I'm very thankful to Brother Van for bringing the uh, element of prayer back into our corporate service, but think about your personal prayer life. When you're not in here, when you're not in Sunday school or youth group uh, or children's service, think about your personal prayer life. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about mine. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by God's Spirit and um, I feel led to get on my knees and pray. But I only stay there for a few minutes because I often fear praying too long will be a waste of time. Now, of course, it sounds as silly as it does out loud as it does inside my head when I face that struggle. But take the life of famed reformer Martin Luther in comparison. 
Now, he stated, I have so much to do that if I don't spend at least three hours in prayer a day, I will never get it all done. That's quite the contrast to our lives. I imagine you oppose that quote just as much as I do, saying something along the lines of three hours, I have not one hour to spare, much less three hours to spare. It certainly is comical how we count ourselves as the owner of our own lives and the owner of our own time. Now, we are called to be productive, as you see in Colossians 3.23. Regardless of what we're doing, we're supposed to be doing it as if it's for the Lord. But as I mentioned earlier, our dedication to Christ takes priority over all other responsibilities and obligations. Now, in verse 39, we see Mary respond in a different way from Martha. During the time of this writing, the rabbis would have taught people to listen to wise men or teachers, but not to talk much with women. Now, Jesus, certainly the wisest of all men, welcomed Mary into his audience of learners. Mary seizes this opportunity to commune with Christ Jesus. She knows that what she does with Jesus will far surpass anything she could ever do for Jesus. Now, how many opportunities for communion with Christ have passed us by in our lives already? You can ask my wife, April, sometimes I grieve out loud over the times I spent lost, devoid of Christ in my heart, wandering and seeking the world for pleasure. I grieve that I can never have those opportunities back to commune with Christ. In fact, even as a believer now, standing before you, I grieve over the times where I fail to commune with Christ in these days. As a seminary student, I am awfully busy spending time reading about God, writing about God, talking to others about God. This summer, I took 13 hours or five courses of graduate credit. It's not a boastful statement um, because it's basically insane. It's not wise, but I'm so close to finishing my degree that I wanted to wrap that up to do as much as I could to finish. Now, by God's grace, I have arrived at the last week of my summer term intact, but without a doubt, I have had to sacrifice times to commune with Christ to do other things. And school wears you out. It taxes your mind, especially seminary. The things of God are weighty and difficult to think about and to sometimes understand. So what do I do when I'm burdened, when I feel the weight of the world on me? I flip on Netflix, I eat, I watch YouTube, I entertain myself. I have to get me time. Sometimes April and I talk about the lack of me time and how that overwhelms us because we never feel truly rested, because we don't get our me time. And the other night we had a conversation about how me time, in a way, is kind of illusion, an illusion. We see in the New Testament that that Christ offers us to exchange our heavy burden for his, one that we can bear. And then we see in some of the epistles that when we have anxiety, we are to cast that upon him, for he cares for us. And so April and I concluded that God, not that he doesn't want us to have me time, but first, he wants us to find that true refreshment by communing with him. And so entertainment is not bad in and of itself, but communing with Christ is greater just like Martha, I often come to the feet of Jesus asking why it is that I can't have help to do more of the things that I need to do. Yet, just like Martha, 
I often feel, fail to hear Christ say, all you need to do is to be with me. Again, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Now, as we look at verse 40, you'll see that social obligations got the best of Martha, especially when her sister proved to be of no help. Rather than inviting her sister to help, Martha went straight to Jesus for authority to force her sister to work, which seems like a pretty bold move. She's mad, so she runs directly to the Son of God and demands that he make her sister help her with her self-prescribed social obligations. Now, this sounds an awful a lot like whenever we criticize others and we pity ourselves because we feel overworked, which again, I'm unfortunately very good at. We rather better take time to examine our lives. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we have been ignoring the Lord. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do, but that she allowed that work to distract her and pull her apart. As you see in Matthew 6, she was trying to serve two masters. And the key here is to have the right priorities. The first, and is always first, is Christ. Second is then the love of others. As we see Jesus answer in Matthew 22 when he's asked what the greatest commandment is. And then third, third is yourself. It's vitally important that we spend time at the feet of Jesus every single day, letting him share his word with us. The most important part of the Christian life is certainly the part that only God can see. Unless we meet with Christ personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha, busy, but not surely blessed. It is no doubt that our current culture praises busyness in some odd way, and I cannot pinpoint when it happened on a timetable, but people begin to worship people with full schedules. We praise the person who seems to be able to handle it all because they seemingly do what we cannot that is manage. Now, unlike God, we cannot see their inner lives. However, we are painfully aware of our own inner lives and the turmoil that mounts within us when we neglect to spend time at the feet of Jesus. In verses 41 and 42, we see that for once, a person in need did not receive Christ's blessing. You can probably recall throughout the New Testament when people were sick, need of healing, deliverance, forgiveness, Christ blessed them. There were people in need and they received a blessing from Christ. But here, we see perhaps the only place where a person did not receive Christ's blessing. And I'd like to tell you the reason Martha did not receive Christ's blessing is because her need was out of focus and misplaced. Martha was too stressed about earthly things. Her life was out of focus dedicated to fulfilling the world's expectations rather than Jesus's. Now, I want to share a little insight about myself. Before feeling called to ministry, I worked in a career of medical sales. I sold orthopedic implants and instruments and in North Mississippi, and I even actually did it for six months when I moved down here to be with April after we married. And I was in surgery every single day, sometimes seven days a week selling these implants, being with the surgeons as they operated on their patients, hoping to receive a better outcome. And I had a very heavy quota on my plate 
between me and just one other guy. And so we became obsessed with productivity. Um, and April will tell you that I would try gadgets and planners and basically whatever technology that might get me fractionally ahead of my to-do list because I had so much to do. And even though it's not wrong to make goals, you know, I would craft yearly goals, quarterly goals, five-year goals, and even 10-year goals. I used to be very driven to succeed, perform, and achieve. Of course, I'd be lying if I said I didn't still struggle with that, but God has done much in my life to place my life in focus, in His focus. So here's a not-so-secret secret that will unlock your schedule, your calendar, your to-do list, and free you up to live a life of focus. Life has one essential need, to hear and to obey the Word of God. You see, Mary made the right choice. Jesus would not take away from her the blessing and opportunity. At the crossroads of decision-making, Martha had opted for world expectation and social obligation. Mary, for hearing Christ's Word. Martha needed to change her priorities. When the Word is taught, listen. All else is secondary. Now, in conclusion, as I mentioned in a recent children's sermon, the book of James tells us not only to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Jesus demands more than just listening to his teaching and agreeing with what he says. He places us at the crossroads of life and forces us to decide to live his way or the world's way. I want you to come away with two simple things today. The first one being that love for God is shown by devotion to His Word in the midst of life's demands. And the second is to focus your life on God's Word, not on social obligations and duties. I'd like to leave you with a story. Roy Angel tells a story of a man and his wife who searched over Philadelphia late into the night for a hotel room. Finally, they trudged into a third-class hotel. The man asked the night clerk if he could please find them a room. They were too tired to search any further. The young man thumbed through all his records and checked each room. All were filled with sleeping guests. Not a single room, he reported, but I do have a small room on the top floor. It is my own room, but I have to work tonight. You can sleep there. Grateful to God and to the clerk, the couple took the elevator to the top floor and slept peacefully for the rest of the night. Next morning, they came down and sought out the clerk. The young man sat with them as they enjoyed their breakfast. And he said, hope you had a good night's sleep and the room was big enough. The elderly guest assured him it was just what they needed and thanked him and thanked him again. The young man astounded, the man, sorry, astounded the young clerk and said, son, I want you to come work for me. You are too good for a small hotel like this. I want to build a luxury hotel in the middle of New York City, and I hire you to manage it. I'm Jacob Astor. Now, for some of the younger people, you might not know the name Jacob Astor, but Astor would die on the Titanic, um, was certainly a business tycoon, and his net worth, when he died, was equivalent to $2.3 billion today. Now, the young clerk faced a crossroads in his life without knowing it. He made the right choice. He loved with his complete heart, soul, and mind. He made the self-sacrificing decision because that was in his nature. The one small decision to show love to a couple in need changed him from a clerk in a third-class hotel 
to a manager of a world-class luxury hotel. Now, Jesus invites us to make a choice between the world's selfish ways and his living, self-denying ways. When we choose his self-denying ways, he gives us the most precious gift. He reveals the Father to us. He places us in God's lovings present and let God rewards us with his salvation. He shows us Satan's defeat and the kingdom's presence. He promises us eternal life. When decision time comes in your life, God will be looking for love in action. Do compassion and mercy so fill your life that you can be sure when God comes that he will find you faithful. Let's pray.